I have to say the kind of experience that you've just shared is incredibly common you know when people are kind of they're young they're first suddenly they kind of turn 18 and they're introduced they've got this option of all of this credit available to them and it can be incredibly overwhelming and frightening because you know people begin to take up those offers and then it's only kind of a few years down the line that you begin to have to start to repay them back. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Burnt Chef Journal, a hospitality-specific podcast dedicated to challenging mental health stigma and conversations designed to inspire a new, healthier, happier and more sustainable hospitality profession. This week my guest is Nikki Bond, who joins me from Money and Mental Health Policy Institute, which is a research charity set up by Martin Lewis. Start looking at the connections between mental health problems and finances and the impact that finances can have on our mental health and well-being. So it's a topic, as you'll hear, is very close to my heart, having experienced a lot of money difficulties in the past, experiencing also the impact that that's had on my health and well-being. But you know, at the end of the day, there there is light at the end of the tunnel, and hopefully, by me sharing my experiences and inviting guests on to talk about these subject matters, it'll allow all of you to understand that you're not alone and that there is support out there, whether that's just through shared experience or through professional services. So, thanks for Nikki for joining us. There's some really interesting stats that come out of this. Love the advice that she was giving as well in terms of where to look for support. And yeah, can't wait to hear your feedback on this week's episode. The Burnt Chef Project is proudly sponsored by Lamb Weston, a leading provider of innovative, high-quality potato products created for chefs to help operators thrive both today and tomorrow. Working carefully with sustainably-minded farmers and growers, Lamb Weston provides potato solutions for every type of kitchen, from premium British chips and fries to potato shapes, wedges, and mash. To find out more, head to lambwestern.eu or search your partner in potatoes. So this week I am joined by Nikki from Money and Mental Health Policy Institute. So Nikki, thank you ever so much for joining me today. Uh, you're welcome. Good, good. I just thought we'd start with a very, very quick introduction today about exactly sort of who you are, what the Money and Mental Health Policy Institute do and and sort of the research that you undertake and just explain a little bit more about that in, in some detail if you can please. Yeah of course so yeah hi and thanks for inviting us on today to talk so my name is Nikki Bond I'm a senior research officer here at the Money and Mental Health Policy Institute we're a research and policy charity that was set up in 2016 by Martin Lewis to break the links between financial difficulties and mental health problems we're a small charity where we do lots of research and write reports to make better provision for people with mental health problems and to break that toxic link essentially so yeah there's kind of there's a whole remit to our work but that's kind of briefly who we are so what sort of links are there between mental health issues and money issues and in which way or shape or size do they come because ultimately you know, we know, and I know from personal experience, having been in debt and experienced tremendous volume of debt when I was a lot younger, that the thought of receiving chaser letters or statements from my bank often led me to a huge, huge amount of anxiety, which then often you know meant that I was hiding, hiding away 
from the letters. And so I know, having experienced it myself, that being in debt can create an increased sense of mental frustration and mental illness. But does it also work the other way as well? Is debt or money problems more prevalent with those who may experience mental illness? Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose, first of all, to try and kind of explain that cycle, which you've kind of touched on there, really, is we're all kind of familiar with how kind of financial difficulties and the stress that accompanies that can kind of lead to stress and anxiety and worry. And that at the acute end of the scale can, can lead to mental health problems. So, you know, if, if we're struggling to put food on the table each day, we're struggling to manage the debt letters that are coming through the door, that all increases our, our stress and anxiety and can, at the acute end, lead to kind of mental health problems. But the kind of less well understood kind of part of the kind of cycle really is how mental health problems can also lead to financial difficulties. And, and that's where it becomes this kind of self-perpetuating cycle. So if you're experiencing mental health problems, lots of the cognitive and psychological effects of those, such as difficulties with memory, with clarity of thought, with impulsivity, with kind of thinking clearly and kind of managing budgets. You know, you've kind of got a lot, you've only got small income and you're trying to manage that and make that stretch across all of your, your bills and your debts and make ends meet. That kind of trying to juggle that is, is incredibly hard and you have to be quite on top of your budget. But if you're experiencing kind of mental health problems and you're struggling with that clarity of thought and that organising ability, that can really kind of make those financial difficulties harder so it's that two-way cycle really of how but one feeds into the other and that's where we were kind of established to begin to break that link so recognizing that people with mental health problems are three and a half times more likely to be in problem debt and half of adults with a debt problem also have a mental health problem so there's that really clear link between the two and what we were established to do was to try to identify the points in the cycle that different parties could intervene to break that toxic link. That's really, really interesting. And from your own sort of personal experience of the work that you've been doing within the organisation, what have been sort of, sort of the key defining moments that you've experienced over the last year or so? I think, so I suppose one of the most pivotal pieces of research that we did looked at the experiences of mental health problems, suicidality and financial difficulties. And the research that we conducted found that 100,000 people in England each year attempt to take their own life who are in financial difficulties. And that was just such a really stark finding. And whilst we know that many of the causes of suicidality, so when I say suicidality, I mean suicide and self-harm, are complex and, and multifaceted, just to realise that the prevalence of, of people who attempt to take their own life and the higher likelihood of being in financial difficulties gives us a point and a kind of motivation to begin to try and tackle that because the consequences can be absolutely devastating and it's really important that we begin to look at the different services that can do something to affect change because there's so many touch points for people who are in financial difficulties that can be utilised to try and break that link and I think the one kind of thing that we often talk about is is that problem debt is resolvable and as much as when people are kind of stuck in that moment it can feel utterly overwhelming particularly where it's kind of persistent and where you kind of feel so totally overwhelmed by it and I think particularly when you've got this kind of toxic link of mental health problems and financial difficulties there's that kind of double stigma that goes with it so we know that there's kind of stigma around mental health problems and that's got better over the last few years and, and huge made huge strides in that respect 
But financial problems are still so stigmatized. And so when you've got those two that come together, it can be incredibly isolating and, and kind of lead to those feelings of hopelessness and despair, which can then kind of lead to kind of some of those issues around suicidality. So it's just really important that we, we kind of consider those points which we can intervene to break that link. Yeah. And I mean, what sort of touch points are we talking here? Are we talking just from the firms who are providing the financial elements or are we talking about employers who you know work with their employees? How can we start to step in and mitigate and hopefully reduce that risk of suicidal thoughts and or ideology? I think so kind of when when you're at the acute end of the scale and, and people are kind of experiencing huge mental health problems and and severe financial difficulties, there's a massive role that financial services can play. So whether that's down to kind of the debt collection letters that, that they're sending and the, the content within those debt collection letters, that they are worded in a way that is supportive as opposed to kind of intimidating and frightening. And we recently had some success with a campaign that changed some of the content, the prescribed content of debt collection letters to make kind of offers of support come a lot more prominent in those letters than, than kind of more alarming alarming content which can sometimes you know people even if they manage to open a letter which we know is often a problem for people in problem debt you know kind of seeing those red letters at the top and and the offers of support like on the back page can be particularly challenging so so there's parts there for essential services financial services firms to intervene to make those offers of support more prominent but then there's parts that they can play in terms of when people are in arrears and, and they're having conversations with their bank or provider, there's opportunities to disclose mental health problems and there's opportunities for to be proactively asked about that. And the advisors on the other end, the fo- end of the phone have the skills to understand how mental health problems can interact with a person's ability to manage their finances and earn money and utilise that knowledge when they're engaging with them, when they're supporting them. So I think there's huge parts that kind of financial services firms can do there. There's also sort of essential things that debt advice providers can do. So, you know, kind of there's lots of signposting to debt advice agencies when people are in financial difficulty, but making sure that that debt advice is delivered in a way that people with mental health problems can manage. So we know that debt advice can be a lifeline for thousands, tens of thousands of people each year. But it's also quite complicated, understanding what your options are and how to come to a debt solution and wading through lots of information. And there's certainly a huge role for debt advice providers to do in training their advice staff to make sure that they understand mental health problems, that they can deliver that advice in a way that people with mental health problems can understand. So really small tweaks like, you know, we know that sometimes when you're experiencing a mental health problem, your concentration and and ability to take in the information can be compromised. So breaking down that typically sort of hour-long debt advice session into smaller chunks that people can provide, that people can engage with, sorry, or providing the follow-up information in, in really easy to engage, simple terms and plain English and checking back with people that they've understood what's been explained. And so there's kind of really small parts that debt advice providers can do, which would make a big difference to help people with mental health problems engage. But then at the earlier points sort of when people are beginning to get into financial difficulties or kind of the finances are suddenly kind of getting a bit out of control, there's there's huge amounts that employers can do. So, for example, we know that people with mental health problems 
uh, more likely to be on lower incomes than people without mental health problems. That's because of a mix of kind of people taking part-time, self-employed, lower paid work. So people with mental health problems are earning less than those those without. So with those lower incomes, there comes the challenge of, of kind of balancing your household budget each month. And then we also know that people with mental health problems often have to take periods of time out of work due to struggling with difficulties. And when they do, some people are protected by contractual sick pay, good contractual sick pay policies. Some people are not and have kind of have to go straight onto statutory sick pay, which is around 90, 90 pounds a week. And going from those kind of your everyday income to, to 90 pounds is incredibly hard and, and managing the budget on that when you're experiencing mental health problems and, and then suddenly trying to adjust your, your budget to this new, this new lower income when you're acutely unwell is really, really hard. So I think there's a role that employers can play in making sure they know when people are going on to lower incomes. They know when people are going down to statutory sick pay or when contractual sick pay is running out. So simply kind of signposting people to kind of different money advice services, to welfare rights services, just kind of using using that knowledge they have to support people better is a huge part of the kind of solution that, that begins to tackle some of this challenge. And then I think there's the kind of point further, even further up the, the cycle where employers can support people in their their employees to have good mental well-being so creating mentally healthy workplaces whether that's you know kind of sort of an, an awareness from managers around kind of the stress and stress that comes with kind of the job that people are doing but also kind of understanding how how to support people through that understanding how to support people with mental health problems creating environments that are conducive to good mental health that support people to remain and progress in work so there's huge tasks that each player can take to begin to break this link i love it there's so many key points on that that whilst we're in control of a certain amount of them whether you're an employee or an employer there are also a lot of things that other organizations can do to support and i've had a big hatred is a strong word angst against not just banks actually but also you know, schemes such as income support systems, because it's incredibly, I'm not going to say easy, but I'll give you an example. When I was first 17, 18, the bank manager, I got an automated response through because I used to have a, a post office paying in book back when I was saving money for the first time. And for anyone who's listening to this and doesn't understand that, we didn't have bank cards where you could go to cash machines. You had to go to the post office and ask and have your book signed and you got some money out. And I remember when I first got a bank account and the, the, I got a notification or a letter saying, Chris, you're entitled to a, a 500 pound overdraft. And I went, brilliant okay, free money. I'll, I'll spend that. Thanks ever so much. And, and off I went and, and I spent it as a young lad. And then I ran out and I went, oh, okay, I've got no money now. So what do I do? The mobile phones came out and you could apply for an extension to your overdraft. And all of a sudden that went to 1,000, to 1,500, to 2,000. And this money was just being thrown at me. And every single month when my salary came in, it wasn't enough to cover the outstanding amount. And my spending habits were just completely out of control because I thought, well, they're just giving me money. And there's no, there was no concept in my head of having to, to try and pay that back. So you're living this life of constantly being thrown money. And then all of a sudden, you go to extend your overdraft. And it might be 
one o'clock in the morning when, you know, if you're on a night out as a young person and you go, that's all right, I'll buy the next round. I'm just going to extend my overdraft from 4,000 to 4,500. And all of a sudden they go, no, we're not going to do that anymore. You've overspent. And you go, oh, well, that's strange. I'm sure it will change in the morning. And you try again in the morning, it doesn't work. And then that's when that sudden, that cloud comes over you. And when previously I was trying to ask for help from the bank, I was like, well, what can we do? Well, it's very complicated. See, we have to go through this whole repayment strategy and we have to work out your income versus your outgoings. And it got to the stage where the actual amount that I was earning every single month wasn't even paying off a percentage of the interest that the bank was charging me. And it was terrifying and it was lonely and it was scary and it was anxious ridden because then everything else starts to fall on top. And I remember. I felt very shamed that I was in that position. I felt very, very, very alone. And I couldn't talk to anyone about it. And it was only when I actually started speaking to one of my old bosses, he actually brought it up and said, look, you know, there's something not quite right with you. You're not concentrating on work. You know, what's going on? And I said to him, I just, I'm in this situation. I don't know what to do. And I was fortunate. He was an ex-bank manager for HSBC in London. So he understood perhaps the systems and the ways to negotiate that. And he said to me, look, we'll write a letter to the bank manager and the bank manager will, you know, they have to, they have to help you in some way. And so I wrote a, a letter to say, bank manager, I need you to freeze my interest because at this rate, I'm just going to be stuck in a, a complete cycle of, of debt. And unfortunately, in that instance, the bank manager responded and said to me, no, I'm sorry, we're not in a position to do that and completely left me on the lurch. But, and I say this with a big but, through consultation, through accessing support services and advice from other people, I managed to start to get a handle on that debt. And that was not comfortable and it was terrifying and you had to push through a lot of anxiety. But I managed to get over a period of six or seven years, start to pay off the debt bit by bit in manageable chunks. And there was a way out of it. And each day, once I started to address it, it felt better. But the issue that I have, and I still have now, is that there is too much freedom of money to people who haven't completed any education, who haven't been given the tools needed. And as you say, conversations haven't been had whether or not someone is in the right mental capacity or health to be able to make those decisions. And that also goes for the likes of the government, when I was on a much, much lower income, who said, you know what, you have a child now. So here we are, we're going to give you some money to top up your income and able to support your family. Fantastic. Thank you very much, government. It's great to see being a taxpayer has paid into that. And then as soon as I went over the threshold, they then wrote me a letter to say, not only are we going to stop your payments, but by the way, you have to pay back everything that we've ever paid you in the last 12 months. And so I think there's a lot that needs to be done, a lot that needs to be done with regards to education for a start. You know, How can we empower our employees, our team members, ourselves in order to understand that borrowing money does come at a cost? And not all debt is bad debt. I think it's important to say. But how do we empower people and how do we then also, and I guess this is where your organization comes in, work with these companies and go, look, if you are going to provide what for many is a lifeline, and certainly during harder times like we are currently, 
what have you put in place as a protection mechanism to ensure that these individuals, A, aren't racking up tremendous amounts of debt, or B, understand what's involved with this and it isn't going to have an impact on their health? How are you going to support them? And I just find it's such a, for something that has such a mm. dramatic impact on people's health and well-being and their livelihoods, we need to do so much in order to start provide that education and support systems it's just i don't know i as you can tell i feel very passionate about about this mm. from personal experience you know yeah i mean i mean absolutely and and i have to say the kind of experience that you've just shared is incredibly common you know when people are kind of they're young they're first suddenly they kind of turn 18 and they're introduced they've got this option of all of this credit available to them and it can be incredibly overwhelming and frightening because, you know, people begin to take up those offers and then it's only kind of a few years down the line that you begin to have to start to repay them back. And then beginning that cycle of trying to repay them back can, can be incredibly stressful, just as, you, as you, you've described, and, and can kind of lead to kind of mental health challenges. And, and I think that's the really important thing that kind of we've been thinking about more recently sort of during the pandemic sort of as, as the cost of living crisis is, is taking hold that people with mental health problems have kind of entered into this state of kind of economic uncertainty with pre-existing circumstances which made them more more vulnerable in this circumstance so so we conducted some research early on in the, in the middle of the pandemic actually and we found that People with mental health problems were faring significantly worse than, than those without. So the people with mental health problems were more likely to have no savings to help them cope with an emergency. They were more than twice as likely to have relied on credit or borrowing to cover everyday spending. And they were nearly twice as likely to have debts equivalent to 50% of their annual income. So, I mean, in that last, that last statistic, I, I just think is incredibly important. And frightening kind of just imagine sort of sitting and, and having debts that are equivalent to 50 percent of your annual income that feels insurmountable and mm. the research that we did some time ago around kind of suicidality people spoke about how there were two types of triggers for kind of suicidal kind of thinking or behavior when financial difficulties were part of that or a concern and and one was that kind of persistent poverty where every day is incredibly hard to get through because you're constantly trying to find money to make ends meet to feed the electricity meter or to put food on the table or to find the bus fare to get to work that that's incredibly hard and then there was that other part that there was a, a kind of trigger which was this kind of sudden sudden triggers where all of a sudden a letter would fall on your doorstep asking for more money and you didn't have enough money to do the basics today let alone pay kind of the minimum amount on your, on your debt and, and knowing that that was still incurring lots of interest and charges and so the two are so inextricably can't say the word inextricably linked that it's just incredibly difficult for people and it's really important that we begin a, to talk about it and kind of think about the links between these two so that we can kind of dismiss some of the, the stigma that, that surrounds it. And just as I said at the beginning, it is a double stigma where people aren't talking about their mental health or even if they are, you know, we're beginning to have some conversations about some common mental disorders such as anxiety and depression, but people still very rarely talk about their, their kind of finances. So if conversations like this can just open that up and make people know that there are places there are other people in the same situation as you 
this isn't some personal failing and there are lots of support services out there that can assist you and people can turn for help we can really begin to break that link and I think that's kind of the basis for why we were established in the first instance to to begin to kind of really break down that link and, and, and make sure that people with mental health problems can be supported and we stop a world where, where mental health problems lead to financial difficulties and where financial difficulties lead to mental health problems. If you're enjoying this week's episode, consider heading over to our website and supporting our ongoing work in destigmatizing mental illness and creating a healthier, happier and more sustainable industry by purchasing some of our branded merchandise. We have a whole range of t-shirts, hoodies, chef's jackets, well-being journals, plus a whole host more available on Worldwide Dispatch. All funds raised from sales of these items go towards free-to-access e-learning content, as well as providing free support systems and help for those who may be experiencing difficulty with their mental health. Yeah, and that's such a noble cause and one that I am fully supportive of as I say you know having having been in debt multiple times you know the examples that I give are spread across a, a 12 13 year period and these weren't the only examples you know, I've I've been in tremendous amounts of debt twice in my life that I've hidden from other people I've hidden from partners mm-hmm. etc and 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 I've felt that black burden of having to deal with that and you know you, you would think well Chris if you were in it once why on earth would you put yourself in it again? But this is what we're talking about, isn't it? It's a case of, you know, perhaps if you're not in a good health space or you do have commitments, it's very, very easy. And unfortunately, we live in a society now that is, thank God, a lot of these payday loan companies have been phased out because there are so many people out there who, with their glitzy adverts, telling you how easy it is to get money at a time when you really need to get by it's very, very difficult. And it's, yeah, I, I, I completely value what you and your team are, are doing in this particular field. I was looking at one of your recent policy notes, which was the tale of two crises, the cost of living and mental health. And some of the stats on that, it was saying that out of the respondents that you spoke to, was it 54% were feeling anxious with regards to the last two to three months of the rise of cost of living. But those who are experiencing a mental health problem or had a mental health problem within the last two years, 81% of those are experiencing that anxiety. Again, 34% of all respondents said they were feeling depressed, but 61% of those who had experienced a mental health problem had said they were feeling depressed. So we can clearly see that the impact is almost double to those who have experienced or are experiencing a mental health condition. So, you know, it's so, so vitally important. And if any employers are listening to this currently, just think what what education do you have in place what support mechanisms what signposting and i guess nikki like whilst we're on that mm-hmm. subject what signposting resources what services are available to those who you know experiencing debt or problems with money and financial difficulties so i suppose the first thing i'd kind of say to kind of what you've just spoke about around kind of the higher rates of people with mental health problems experiencing these challenges i think there's also that really important point that when we've got 54% of UK adults saying they're feeling anxious about higher prices or six in 10 of the UK population are cutting back on energy usage during this, this kind of cost of living crisis, 
how will that translate? What is the impact of that on people's mental health? And will that lead to escalating mental health problems and, and, and deteriorating mental health? So I think we're acutely aware of where we're at. And it's really important that employers kind of tackle this head on and think about what their role is in, in, in doing something about this. So being aware that their workforce is an increased time of stress. And I know within your industry, it's an incredibly stressful industry anyway. It's a high stress environment. But people are also going home to high stress environments in terms of their finances too. So what's the impact of that on people's mental health and, and employers really thinking about how they can support people through that and look after their mental well-being. And then I, I think the other kind of part of it is kind of where can people get help from? And and the first thing, as, as I said at the beginning, is is debt is entirely resolvable. And, and I think when people are in that really deep and dark place, it feels absolutely overwhelming and as if you cannot escape from it and you feel as if you're kind of going under almost. And the first thing to say that it is resolvable and it's if you can just reach out for help and to know that you are not the only one with this, that thousands of other people are experiencing a similar thing. And it's easy to say and harder to believe, but the shame that people feel around it is totally unjust and people shouldn't feel ashamed by this. So first and foremost, if you're experiencing kind of difficulties with your mental health I'd sort of signpost people to places like Samaritans or Shout which have got a great services for mental health problems if you're experiencing problems with your finances places like Citizens Advice obviously great and Step Change and Christians Against Poverty there's so many services out there that, that can offer, offer support and they offer it in lots of different ways so you can you can go down to your local Citizens Advice or you can pick up your phone to Step Change or you can go online to the National Debt Line so however you prefer to do it you can do it that way and then there are specialist services for people who are experiencing kind of the joint mental health problems and financial difficulties. So there's a mental health money advice service that's out there, which has huge amounts of really useful resources on, on their website. It talks lots about benefits, which I know you touched upon before, but it also looks at kind of problem debt. So there's loads of great resources there. So there's so much support out there and it's just helping people to kind of make the links and, and employers can do do their part in this. They can signpost people to these services, you know, and just as I said in, in the middle, when we know people are in the middle of a cost of living crisis or people may be kind of going off sick, employers can signpost people and, and make people aware that these services are there. So there is help available. It's just making sure that people can get to it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a really, really key point to drive home is you do feel like you are the only one going through this, whether you are £10, £100, £1,000 in debt, it feels completely and utterly debilitating. However, you aren't alone. There are services, there are people like myself who have managed to dig their way out of debt multiple times. And that wasn't because of you know, a massive increase in salary. That was because I was able to open a conversation eventually talk to someone about it, share the problem and to receive advice and to take a step forward. And sometimes that, you know, that does mean in most cases when dealing with debt, confronting it head on and opening those letters. And it's much easier to do that when you have the right supportive mechanism in place than it is to, to do that yourself, especially if like me, you have 50 or so letters mounting up underneath the bed that you, you hope to never open. And interesting, you should mention Shout. So we partnered with Mental Health Innovations, who run the Shout service, and, and they provide our UK-based Burnt Chef support service. I was on a call just before 
this podcast and one of the the main researchers there and the the analysts said that 62 percent of the people who text in with regards to financial problems to the Berkshire support service or to shout mm. said that they had no one to talk to which is an incredibly mm. high number of people when we know that the debt problem within the UK is such a, a huge issue. 41% of the people felt more comfortable texting than they did actually speaking in face. So again, that just shows the, mm-hmm. the sheer volume of perhaps people who, who are feeling shamed by something that isn't something to be shameful for. And the companies mm-hmm. that you know, you're in debt to have thousands and millions and billions of pounds of funds, like never, ever, ever feel like I used to when they send you a letter demanding payment right now please don't ignore those letters but trust me those companies aren't desperate for that money and to strike up a conversation with them and actually start to negotiate some sort of payment terms or to to tackle that don't feel bullied into feeling like you have to borrow more money to to pay that off that that's you know that's not the case and certainly do seek seek the advice so we've covered a lot Sorry, Chris, I, I just add to that sort of financial services firms have made huge strides in the last few years around kind of understanding people with mental health problems and kind of what their needs might be. So if you can reach out and do try and strike up those conversations to negotiate different repayment plans and, and make them aware of what you're go- what is going on, be honest with them. They're fully aware of the links between mental health problems that that 50 percent of people in problem debt are experiencing mental health problems. So, so reach out and explain that to them. And there are things that they can do and put in place to support you. So there are things like breathing space, which people can access if they're getting debt advice, formal debt advice. They can get respite from debt collection activity and escalating fees and charges for a short period whilst they're seeking regulated debt advice. But also financial services firms can do really innovative things like there's, there's things like gambling blocks that people can apply to their cards. Lots of different banks are doing them where you can apply a gambling block if you're experiencing kind of a, a gambling problem that makes it harder or puts that friction in place so that you, that you can't gamble. So there are lots of things and there's lots of things that are happening to make to begin to tackle it. And, and the biggest thing is, is to reach out and speak to somebody. Yeah, very good points. It's very good points. And Again, having experienced the impulsiveness of needing to gamble, whether that's through online things or horse racing, I, again, having those imposed that you've put in place, those imposed blocks are incredibly beneficial and it feels tough and it feels like you want to try and circumnavigate those. But if you can get those in place, it's amazing the benefit that they can have it, have in place for you. So all really, really good points. And I guess... You know, we, we've got a growing network, not just in the UK, but worldwide. And it's something that I feel very passionate about in terms of this conversation. Is there any way that the Berkshire Project and our community can assist in the work and the research that you're doing into these fields? Absolutely. So sort of really important point of, of kind of what we do and how we do it. We have a research community which informs everything we do. So our research community is made up of almost 5,000 people with lived experience of mental health problems who we go out to on about three times a month on a Friday with kind of surveys or, or kind of offers to, to be involved in our research. And people can choose to be involved in it, choose not to be involved in it. They can do it one week, not do it another. There's no obligation at all. But I would really encourage people, if they can, contribute to sign up to our research community. It's on our website, Money and Mental Health Policy Institute, and, and you can sign up and contribute to our research. But I think one of the really big things that I always I often hear from from the research community is how 
how it makes people feel less isolated. And all of a sudden they realise that they're not on their own, whether that's because the topics that they're seeing come through on the email are things that they've experienced and they suddenly think, oh, this is something that thousands of other people are experiencing too, or whether it's that they, they kind of participate in a focus group and, and they kind of you get to talk online to, to people who, who have had similar experiences to them. And, and all of a sudden people feel a lot less isolated and actually feel like they're contributing to change some of the things that have been so problematic for them and that can be really validating so I'd really encourage people to sign up to our research community if they can do so and we'd be incredibly grateful we're always trying to grow the research community and the other thing I think for kind of any employers out there I would suggest kind of looking on our website and looking at our best practice guides we've got a best practice guide there for employers which kind of talks about how to support employees and and how your role is in breaking the links between money and mental health problems and there's just huge amounts of resources on there which can really help inform what you're doing and how you're doing it so we'd be incredibly grateful if if any of your audiences can can contribute to our work in that way yeah and we'll post a link for that and it's something that i'll get involved in as well because as you can tell i've got a a bit of experience in this field and i'm very very keen to ensure that others don't have the same experience that i do i was just thinking whilst you were talking you know from an employer's point of view or from a leader's point of view you know, how ace would it be to come into work one day and for your employer to go, hey, guys, girls, people, we've we've sat down and we've looked at the top five utility tariffs at this moment in time. And we have compared, we've been on a, a shop and we've compared the top five or 10 ingredients across six different stores. So rather than being drip fed information through by the media, your employer is actually taking a proactive stance and going, if you want to go and buy your food, you can do so and save X pounds in our local area, in, in you know, within our community. Mm. And that then takes a real, real proactive thing. And it's a huge learning curve as well for the employer to go through to be able to establish for themselves as well what what's working, what's not working. Because it's amazing how much, how much, I mean, even H&M now, I think, in the UK, when you take in an old bag of clothes, they give you £5 off of mm. a new item as a voucher. And there's a whole load of other tools that are available as well. So, and I'm sure that's yeah, that's reciprocal. And most other countries would just have to find find out where they are. But to share that resource with your team would be incredible. And it's got my brain thinking about more. Content, uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and really, kind of, I suppose employee employers thinking just a bit more broadly about kind of employee well being and how pivotal kind of finances are to people's well-being so really kind of beginning to kind of engage in that and think about how they can help their employees because it's in everyone's best interest that people are mentally have good well-being and not experiencing mental health problems people don't want to have to take periods of time off work and employees don't want people taking time off work so if we can really support people to kind of tackle some of the challenges that we know they're experiencing now in the cost of living crisis then that feels like a really good use of people's time for everybody huge huge and it brings me on finally to draw this to a close but one of the things that a lot of companies have been doing now is putting in these withdraw your salary ahead of your payday schemes which I appreciate, you know, from from conversations we've had with our community members is something that is a lifeline for certain individuals. But I think there's a huge responsibility on employers to monitor the use of these services. And if it's something that's being used on a regular basis, then I think you need to be able to be prepared to offer support to those individuals who are regularly 
drawing down at least 25 percent or more of, of of their salary on a, on a monthly basis because it's uh again it's providing that resource for the right intentions but it's also doing so that might leave people in a vulnerable state and we do have free to access training on our Burnt Chef Academy. So that's a free resource available via our website all over the world, whereby there's a module on there to do with specifically financial health. And in there, we talk a little bit about how to budget, you know, how to perhaps look at debt and to have that conversations and things like cutting up store cards, etc, which are quite important. So there is information available freely that we, we provide to the industry in order to start to get a, a handle on this because it's surprising until you actually start looking at where your money's going and what's involved. It's scary looking behind that closet and seeing what's in there. But do you know what? The sooner you can get accustomed to that and and create a schedule and create a budget, the better you are Mm -hmm. getting on top of your finances. So we'll put the links for support systems. We'll put the, your research link in there as well to sign up to the community, as well as the mental health money advice service and citizens advice, plus whatever other, services we can find and establish across the globe and we'll put those into the show notes as well nikki thank you ever so much for your time today i really do appreciate you coming on and yeah we look forward to working with you further in future lovely thanks very much cheers